Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. What you do then is you read and you begin to understand what does that really mean in context. When you begin to study the passage, you're going to come out some, with some wonderful understandings of what it means. And so I'd like to give some of that to you now. I'm going to give you three of the most common understandings of this passage. And I hope it will really help you in this. The first one is, when you talk to those of the Church of Christ background, most of them will tell you that, yes, you need to repent, turn from your sin, and you need to be baptized by immersion, that the two of them are together in order for you to be saved. Now, it sounds like that, and I can understand where they're going to come from that. And in my study of all of this, I have found that that is not at all what it could mean. The reason it couldn't mean that is because when you run that whole concept through Scripture, you have to understand what baptism is. Baptism is the immersion in water. In this passage, I do believe it does refer to that. I'll talk about that in just a moment here. But when you take it to other passages of Scripture, you're going to see that that repent and be baptized are two opposite. Repent is something that you do on the inside. So inside, inward, is the repentance. The word repent means to change your mind. It doesn't mean change your lifestyle, change your mind. Metanoia, noia means mind. Meta means change. Change your life would be metamorphosis. You're changing like a worm into a butterfly. Metamorphosis, all right? You're looking and being different. For salvation, it's metanoia, change your mind. And technically, it stops there. So now just the aspect of repentance causes great dilemma to people. Because when you hear metanoia, just change your mind, now you have to take it through Scripture and understand what do you change your mind about. There's three primary things you change your mind about when you study repentance and the whole doctrine of, here's a big word, soteriology. That's called the doctrine of salvation. First, you have to change your mind about who Christ is. That's in context here. You have to see that Jesus is God who died and rose again. Payment for sin. Jesus is God. The second thing you need to change your mind about is that there is nothing you can humanly do in order to redeem or save yourself. You cannot turn from, you cannot change, you cannot stop, start, nothing, because you are dead in trespasses and sins, and it's only through the Holy Spirit that can change your lifestyle, and He only comes in when you trust Christ as Savior. So there's nothing you do to get saved. So, again... You have to change your mind about who you are. You are lost, hopelessly lost, and cannot do anything of yourself to go to heaven. That in itself is still not enough to get you saved. That's still not enough about which you need to repent. Change your mind about who Christ is. He is God. Change your mind about who you are, hopelessly lost. Then you need to change your mind about the way of salvation. The way of salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And there's a humongous amount of Scripture, Old and New Testament, that still talk about believe. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So believe. And by the way, I'll throw this in. It's not just believe. It has to be belief in the right object, and it has to be in Christ. Now, that is repentance. Now, often when it was used in Scripture, and it's not mentioned a lot, it's in the context of when you repent, belief is a part of the same action that goes on. Now, folks, I'm sorry if I'm splitting a hair. Do y'all love one another? Say, "Uh uh-huh. Then let's love those that want to hear this and be patient for just a moment, okay? When you have the word repent, now I'm really going to split a hair on this. 
When you have the repent, you can go through the whole aspect of repenting, changing your mind about all these facts, all these truths, who Christ is, who we are, way of salvation. You can do all of that, yet still without salvation yet. You still need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So you do need to do the believing part over here. It must be done. Now, that means you can repent and still not be saved. But you cannot believe in Christ fully for your salvation unless you have repented. So that's why the Gospel of John does not have the word repent in there. The Gospel of John says that it is written that you might believe and have eternal life. It is the one book in the whole Bible that was written for that purpose. And number three, it has the word believe at least a hundred times emphasizing the believing part. So now here, this repenting is really critical in the context. That's why they have to change their mind. Now you might say, well, wait, it didn't say anything about believing. Stay with me. We'll get to that hopefully Real soon. Okay, so the believing part. Now you get to the outward side. The baptism side is the outward side of this. Now, I told you, number one, it cannot be by believing and by being baptized. We've already studied that. It would contradict so many other scripture, and this will not stand alone. Let me give you the second uh, response that you will often hear. And I heard this for many years, and I tended to believe it until I dug a little bit deeper, and it is still valid, by the way. So if you believe this, I want you to know it is still valid. Again, I'm going to split the hair even thinner. It comes from a Greek word. Let me go back to the verse, verse 37, verse 38. It says, for the forgiveness of sins. I don't know what your translation says. In your margin, it might say, because of, okay, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, you are now baptized because your sins are forgiven. That is a legitimate interpretation only in this sense that that was used, that four word, that ice word in the Greek, three different times in scripture. And when it does, it did mean because of. However, it is not really where I am at at this point as my primary interpretation. It's enough to say if that's all I knew, that'd be good enough because it was used a few other times. But I don't believe it's the best translation of that in this context. And here is why. Because when you take the other words and you run it through what they, where we really get into the syntax and all of that of the Greek, it actually substantiates it with the argument I'm about to give to you now that's even better than that one, and that's the one I'm rising on, or I'm standing on. And it goes simply like this. And again, I don't mean to be so technical, but because this verse can tangle up more of you, some of you are still believing that your baptism will save you. Some of you are still thinking, I've got to turn for my sin to be saved, and all of that. I want you to know the true teaching of God's Word still rests upon the song, In Christ Alone, in Him alone, not our changing our lifestyle nor us getting baptized by immersion. Let's go back to this. I believe that if you look at the word repent, it is in a particular plural, we're going to say, so repenting, and it's connected to the word you, and it's not you individually, it's you plurally. And then when you get to the word sins, so the aspect of repent And you all in sins are in the plural. Now, I know this is technical, so listen up. All right, when you have those three together like that in the plural, they all have to stay together under that topic. So now the repenting is for all the people, and they will receive the forgiveness of sins. Now, the word repent here can also mean believe, because later on the passage is going to talk about receiving, and receiving is a part of believing. Now, stay with me now. Now, the baptized part, is in the singular, which means that it is not connected to the forgiveness of sins. It is something that is done post-forgiveness of sins. 
So you do the repenting and you have the forgiveness of your sins. Once you've done that, then you do the baptism of this. Now, there's a select group of people that say, well, this must mean being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it refers to the baptism of the Spirit here because it doesn't say that. It says baptized in his name. Secondly, the command is to be baptized, and I can't command the Spirit to baptize me to do anything. Baptism is a passive result of something I have done actively when I place my faith in Christ. So I don't believe it's the Spirit. Secondly, it wasn't taught. That type of spirit baptism wasn't taught yet till a little bit later on. But baptism by immersion in water was. So you repent, you have the forgiveness of your sins, you're baptized, watch this, watch this, watch this, as an outward sign, speaking to Jews now, this is coming full circle, speaking to Jews, as a full outward sign so that your family and your friends know that in your heart you repent. Remember, repent is your mind inside of you. Outwardly, you demonstrate that to the world by being baptized. Watch this, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus then was saying, now you are going public with your faith in Christ. I believe if you talk to a lot of uh, somewhat in the know Jewish people today, they probably would say their mom and dad probably would frown a little bit if they went to a church like this, but they wouldn't mind. You know, that's you have your own right. They'd, yeah, okay, you're a little crazy. You want to go to that church? That's fine. But if you told your parents as a Jewish person, I'm not only going to this church, I've accepted Jesus as my Messiah, I am joining this church, and I am being baptized to identify with other believers in Jesus Christ. That's when that Jewish person would be essentially put to death to the family's social activities forever. And that's part of the baptism. You need one more to prove this. This is a great cross-reference, so write it in your margin. Uh, Acts chapter 10. Remember, it's a developing truth. How many are still with me so far? Say, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Don't call me this afternoon. I'm probably going to take a nap after I get this message. I just tease it. You want to go to chapter 10. This is critical now. I'm going to show you the order because now this is the message that continually is preached through the rest of Acts and is substantiated in greater full depth. Remember last week, the rosebud. Now you have the rose flower. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, go to verse 43. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, Jesus, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Would you now mark that? It's the believing, that's the repenting part. Okay, now verse 44. While he was speaking those words that I just gave to you, same preacher is now preaching again. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Now, the listening there is the engagement. It's not just a cursory, I kind of hear something being said. It's they're owning this message here. They are receiving this message, and the Holy Spirit came on them. That theology fits the rest of Scripture that says the Holy Spirit doesn't come into you until you trust Christ as Savior. Go on. It goes on to say, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. In other words, they were believers now because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. So now they had the Spirit. The Gentiles are getting the Spirit, showing you how that salvation is global. It's for all different ethnic groups, and the church is made up of Jew and Gentile, making a third all one, the church. Then it says, For they were hearing them speaking with tongues, exalting God. Then Peter answered. Here's the key now, verse 47 and 48. Surely no one can refuse the water for these people to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. How did we get it? Believe it in Christ. When we did, the Spirit came. And there, verse, verse 48 says, and he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's why you get baptism in the name of Jesus equal to being baptized by water and, and um, immersion. And then he says, then they asked him to stay on a few more days, I think, to continue teaching and to finish up what he was doing over there already. 
So now that's Acts 2.38. You need to repent for the forgiveness of sins. Repent means change your mind about who you are, who Christ is, and the way of salvation. You do that when you believe in Christ. Once you've done that, you receive full forgiveness of sin. What you've learned, you have the Holy Spirit instantly just like that. No sound, no sight just happen inside of you like a little dove would. And then you need to be baptized by immersion. Watch this. Not to get saved. Watch this. Not to stay saved. Now listen. Because you are saved and you want to go public with your salvation. That's why, can your little kids get baptized? My feeling is yes and no. No, they ought not to be baptized unless they know what salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. And secondly, watch this, that they know the real meaning of baptism because it's a one-time deal. You get saved once, you get baptized once. Back to Acts chapter 2. I've got to really wrap this thing up. But I think you got what we're saying here as far as he's bringing this to a close now. Things are beginning to happen. It's becoming a very important truth that they have to have in their own heart. Folks, if you want to talk more about this, you meet me at 6 o'clock on Wednesday up in my study and we'll find a place that the crowd is big enough because I will go through the Greek with you. I'll take you through A.T. Robertson. I'll take you to some of the greatest Greek scholars and their interpretation of this passage because I want you to have it so you don't feel... Like you don't know scripture when someone tries to throw this in your face. Verse 39, for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call to himself. A little bit there on election perhaps, verse 40. And with many other words, Peter solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Now, what he's saying is this is a crooked generation. It comes from the word scoliosis, where we get our scoliosis from. The word perverse there means crooked or bent generation. So how do you get saved from generational issues? You've got to come to Christ. And when you come to Christ, now you have the power then to be delivered from that kind of secular worldview thing that's going on. That's what verse 40 is talking about there. Keep that in mind. Well, now they went from seeking to conviction. What happens in verse 40? After the many words were spoken, verse 41, so then those who had received his word were baptized, which was, they're receiving it. To him, as many as received him, to them gave you right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. And that day they were added to the church, 3,000. So they believed they were receiving. And that kind of brings us full circle here. There's another little phrase here I think is important when it says, um, and with many other words, I think at the same time while he gave this message, he was supporting it with more scripture, more things that he observed, important truths yet not inspired by God. That doesn't mean they were, maybe it does mean they were less important, but for sure we know it was not that we needed to hear more words. We just needed to hear the words that were given, but they needed more words. Watch this, watch this. We have been given more words than verse 40 here because we have more of the New Testament now. So that's why we have more words. He solemnly testified. That's why when you share the message with others, sometimes it's going to take more than one conversation, more than two. But it's solemnly, seriously testifying, passionately. And he kept on exhorting them, saying, you got to do this. Look at the consequences. you got to do this. So if you look up here and you say, well, pastor, every time I come to church, you give this message and you always go long because you give the gospel. I had a good mentor. His name is Peter. If you come to this church and you say, every time we have a major event, you pretty much just give the gospel. I've had a good mentor. Anytime you suspect a lost person is present, you've got to give the gospel. It may not be all the whole sermon. It may not always be a big, long invitation. But in some measure, if you really love your neighbor because you really love the Lord, then you're going to give them the gospel and hopefully make a disciple of Christ out of them, so to speak. So that's why we do that very thing. So I I ended on your little sheet there some things for you to think about. 
And that would be, are you ready to place your faith alone in Jesus Christ? Are you? Is today the day? You want to be saved from this generation? Now, when you read that, you might think, yeah, I don't like this lifestyle in the world, and I want to get out of that lifestyle. I, I want you to know that um, it's not the lifestyle that's so bad. Listen, what's so bad is the lifestyle is born on a belief system that is horrifically wrong, damnable, eternally wrong, and that's why they are the way they are, and they're going to spend eternity in hell. And so your real reason for you to want to be saved from this generation is you want to be saved from their belief system. And to do that, you want to embrace Jesus Christ, who is the Lord who died and rose again, so that you can have eternal life. And then you'll be saved from, watch this, not only their lifestyle, which many times gets them messed up, but their eternal judgment that they're still facing. And I can't save any of you. I know the Holy Spirit can. And right now, the moment you trust Christ as Savior, you'll be sealed. The conviction that you might be feeling in your heart is not going to come from me. I'm very pathetic at it. But I know it's the Spirit of God using the Word of God to help you to become a child of God if you'll trust Christ. Now, if you've done that by faith alone, the next question is, have you been baptized by immersion since you trusted Christ? Something, well, I've done it before, that's good enough. No, it's not. That's, that's, um, that's like wearing a wedding ring before you got married. You need to be baptized by immersion. How soon should you do it? As soon as we possibly can in a, log- a logistical way to get it done. Remember what Peter said in chapter 10. Got some water? Let's do it. There are people now telling me they want to be baptized. Now you know more why you want to be baptized. You want to go public with your faith in Christ. You want to let people know you've got a new lifestyle. You're doing it because it is by faith alone in Christ alone, not by works. I pray that you do that. So two things. Trust Christ, and if you have, be baptized by immersion. And may I add a third one? Please, 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 please. Be back next week because now I'm going to begin to tell you, once the church did this, what did they become like? And that's what we want to become like. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I love you folks. And I love this truth. And I I hope you embrace it. And you preach it and do a better job than I have. But the content should remain the same. Would you trust Christ as your Savior right now? There is no better time. You do not know when you will breathe your last. A stroke could take you. An automobile accident could take you. The Lord in his great love for you, not only paid for your sins, and how can you get greater love than that? But he loved you so much that he had someone preach to you the message of salvation by grace alone through faith alone. It's his love for you that brought you this message. And now he's pricking your heart. You're sensing this, I got to do something with this. You know, this may be right. Spirit's working on you right now. But until you say, what do I need to do? Because I'm willing to do it. You're miles away from salvation. So what do you need to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon the Lord, as it says. In your heart, it's not even a prayer as much as it is kind of like a mental transaction. You're turning from whatever you thought Jesus was to now you see him as the Lord God Almighty who went to the cross as a man, a God-man, who rose again from the dead. And he did it not to start Christianity. He did it to pay your sin debt to give to you freely eternal life. You've got to change your mind right now about who you are. You are lost. 
And I commend every one of you on whatever social or religious deed you've done. The value you've added to hundreds of people, starting with your family, is great. But with God, that's nothing more than a filthy rag as far as getting into heaven. So change your mind. You've got to see yourself as hopelessly lost. And then you've got to change your mind about salvation. It is not by belief and water baptism. It is by belief in Christ alone. And if you want, we'll unpack a lot more verses Wednesday at 6 o'clock in my office. Or those that are listening on the radio or a CD or internet, call me and make an appointment. I'll help you. I'll talk to you. I want to hear your story. I want to hear the verses you got. I want to share with you the truth. And I want to come alongside you. I will tell you, you won't convince me otherwise. So if you're coming to try to change my mind, it's not going to happen. You know why? Because I've already repented. I've already changed my mind and I have truth now. And I want you to have it as well. Now, by the way, you can have all that change of mind, but now you need to trust in Christ. Would you do that right now? Please, the streets are slick. You're saying, oh, you're trying to scare me. No more than Peter did when he said, you want to be delivered from the perdicious, horrible generation? He was scaring them with the future of what's going to happen to them but I'd rather dangle a sweet carrot in front of you with a lot of sweet chocolate to let you know that when you're a Christian, it doesn't mean your problems go away, but now you have a problem solver in it. You have a relationship with that very King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You have a home waiting for you in heaven and you've got a family right here that loves you and together we're going to grow and hopefully become more like Christ. Would you trust Christ? So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you in a moment to slip up your hand if you'd like for me to pray for you. And let me make this clear. Walking an aisle, filling out our guest card, saying you're trusting Christ, raising your hand, and even me praying for you won't get you into heaven. It's when you personally made that decision to trust Christ. Now the raising of the hand and maybe filling out the card to let me know, that kind of is afterwards. God already knows that. I just want to pray for you because I love you. But maybe you're too shy to do that. You can shake my hand afterwards, write me an email. But I just want to know, would there be anyone in here today that finally repented, changed their mind, and embraced Christ by faith alone. Today was the day, and you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone today that's doing that? Anyone, put it up real high. Okay, Christians, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you need to be baptized, but I would like you to fill out the card. And just filling out the card doesn't mean all of a sudden we're going to fill up a tank or take you to the beach. It does mean that we're going to sit down and talk and get to know you and answer your questions and make sure you're real comfortable about knowing what you're doing. And knowing that what you're doing has been done by millions of people since the time of Christ. And you just one more time become more visible as the community of the redeemed. And lastly, to the rest of you who do know Christ as Savior, those who have been baptized, those that even want to be baptized, another great way to do that is to share the gospel with other people. And the easiest way to do that now, maybe for you, would be to invite them here on Resurrection Sunday, whether it's at Kakako Park for an early service or here. I promise you, the gospel we give, it'll be a shorter message than it is today because I don't have to go long for them. It's already going to be painful enough when they hear this, but also sweet enough, rich, like rich chocolate sweet. So they'll just get enough. But bring your friends. Do you love them? Do you care enough about them? Do you want them to have eternal life? Do you want them to be rescued from a twisted generation and the condemnation? This is your opportunity to do so. This place can have beautiful music, beautiful people. You love being here. Your friends will love being here. 
And don't judge the message by the speaker. You bring them and let the Holy Spirit take over. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because you're going to begin building a relationship with some people this week and next week to do a little bit better to start inviting them. And you're not going to wait to the night before knowing they can't come the next day. But you'd like to have prayer because you've got some people in mind you want to invite to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday here. Would you slip up your hand? Amen. If you want to put their name on a card anonymously, first name, we'll pray for them with our PLT, Pastoral's Leadership Team, on Tuesday morning. We'll lay it out on the big table in front of us and we'll pray for them. And every week do it until, until Easter if you want to. You do that. We'll pray for them. And we're praying for you already. And you pray for us and the people we're inviting. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I know this was a little bit long. It seems like every week we go along like this, and yet there's so much in this. It's so rich. It's so powerful. But we learned what the first sermon was like, and we learned what the first sermon did as a result because of you anointing that message with your spirit and the people making the choice to trust you. So, Father, although no one raised their hand here, maybe they'll do it listening in the car or on the front of their computer, but, Lord, I pray that they'll receive that message, that they will repent by trusting in you as their personal Savior. And then afterwards, go public with it. Father, I just love these dear people. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,